everyone. Welcome to Fashion Decipher. And this week we are speaking with a really good friend of mine, uh, John Holiday Stewart. And today we are getting the PR perspective to fashion's response of the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, John, how are you? I'm doing good. Thank you so much for having me. Good, good. If you could give some of the audience a little background into who you are and what you do before we proceed with the topic. Yeah, sure, of course. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm a recent um, graduate of the Branding and Integrated Communications Master's Program at the City College of New York. Mm -hmm. uh, my concentration is in public relations. Mm -hmm. I also have my bachelor's degree from Middle Tennessee State University in PR as well. Okay. Um, currently, I work in luxury retail um, in the jewelry industry. I've had previous experience working at Tiffany & Company, um, a brief stint at Burberry, some time at Mikimoto, um, which is a Japanese pearl company. Mm -hmm. And so I'm in the process now of doing a career pivot and moving from luxury retail into communications and PR. Okay, that sounds, that's, you have such an amazing background and that's what I thought you were the right person for this interview. And I know, you know, I trust your opinion and I think the audience would find you to be extremely uh, knowledgeable on, on the subject. Um, we want to discuss like and explore fat fashion brands across the board with the luxury mid-grade um, response to the injustice during the civil unrest that occurred after George Floyd's murder. Um, and like basically how these brands responded to it, if they did respond, um, what was the best response in your opinion? Who failed to actually capture the public's view on what happened? Um, you know, I know a lot of people then put up these solid black squares to stand in solidarity with uh, black Americans during this time. You know, did after they put up the squares, did they do anything in support? Are they actually doing things after those squares or was it just for show? You know, so we're going to run down a couple of uh, fashion houses that, you know, John has probably, you know, looked at and just give his opinion on what and how they responded and what was good about it and what wasn't. So, John, you can pick whomever you want to start with. And we'll go from there. Okay. Um, so I would say probably the top two who have really stood out to me. Mm -hmm. And they're both um, athletic shoe companies. Okay. Are Vans and Nike. Okay. Um, I really feel that they've done a great job in addressing the movement, showing solidarity with the people involved, and really just practicing what they preach. Right. So, better so um, give me something that either Nike or what was Nike's like response to what was going on? Um, I mean, from I would say late May, they really just did a nice social media coverage on all of their sites that really just addressed the Black Lives Matter issue, saying that we are here with the community, we stand up with you against racism, social injustice. And to me, it's just part of the course for Nike, mm -hmm. um, considering like the thing, the partnership they have with Colin Kaepernick, which can tie into the whole Black Lives Matter situation with taking a knee. Nike is known for taking, for taking chances mm -hmm. and risking alienating their client base, mm -hmm. do what's right and socially correct. 
And right. yeah, I feel it's paid off for them. Mm-hmm. Um, Vans also, I feel, has done a really amazing job to whereas they actually took money away from visual and marketing for an entire month and funneled those funds over to donate to the Black Lives Movement. That's amazing. Yes, I mean, how many businesses do you really see that will just take a huge chunk of their budget? Mm -hmm. We're going to forego this for the time being Mm -hmm. and over for a cause that we believe in and stand behind. Right. And, and didn't Vans also like kind of break down the percentage of people within their own corporate culture um, and, and show that transparency online to their, uh, you know, consumers? They did. They really mm-hmm. did. And not only that, it's just they came forward and they issued a statement about the whole movement in the very beginning stages of when the country was really starting to just step up and we were going through the social unrest and it's even to this day still on their landing page for their website Mm -hmm. right now and it says black lives matter this is a movement not a moment we commit to taking action for the long haul within our walls and empowering empowering black communities Mm. me that says so much because that first line of this is a movement, not a moment, shows that they know that this is not something that's fleeting. This is something that's going to take time and effort to bring about change. Mm-hmm. And they're in it for the long haul with the community fighting for it. Right, right. And I, and I think that's beautiful. I mean, not only were, not only did Vans point out the injustice against uh, Black Americans and Black people, they also pointed out like where they have been wrong and how they have uh failed to you know to represent black people within their own brand so i think that's very important they actually looked internally not just you know hey let's make the statement and you know let all our black consumers know we support them but they're like hey you know what we're wrong we're also wrong because we don't have enough black people of color or people of color in general within our corporation and that's something we're going to work on fixing and i think they even gave a timeline Mm -hmm. um i think it was like 2025 or something i'm not actually sure I believe that could be correct. I'm not 100% on mm-hmm. that timeline, but that sounds like it may be accurate. I, I have to agree with you. That is both like just great uh, PR responses to actually what happened. Now, who, in your opinion, John, for luxury houses, who do you think fell short to actually support uh, Black people in this time? Um, I hate to say this because it's a company that, I have spent majority of my career working for and Mm -hmm. really like aided in shaping me to become the leader and manager that I am today. But I was a little disappointed in Tiffany and company showing in the very beginning. Okay. And what was their statement? Um, So across their social media, specifically their Instagram, um, they posted on May 30th. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's, of course, in their traditional Robin's Egg glue, um, Tiffany color, uh, for the background. And the statement that they put on their Instagram page was, we are one community and we hashtag believe in love. Hmm. Now, it's a very, it's a good statement in general, mm-hmm. but it doesn't address the issue at hand. Right. 
is a very blanket statement that could go for several different issues that are currently happening in the world today. Okay. Um, and the backlash was swift. There were a lot of comments, majority of them negative, <laughs> about <laughs> just addressing the issue head on. Mm-hmm. And I was a little taken aback because I know, like, from my time working for them, Tiffany is a company that's very known for sustainability and social injustice. And, for example, when um, LGBTQ marriage rights were the hot topic across the country and state, like, state after state were starting to make same-sex marriages legal, mm-hmm. was a huge supporter. Absolutely. I think they were one of the first to do, like, the full ad campaigns, right? Exactly, exactly. Full ad campaigns, everything. Huge supporter, um, a large presence that year with the um, New York and I believe also possibly San Francisco Pride marches. And Mm -hmm. to this day, even though Pride didn't happen this year because Corona decided to make an appearance. Right. (laughs) Every year that I'm aware of that I've lived in New York, Tiffany and Company has had a presence in Pride. Mm Mm-hmm. So I was a little disappointed mm-hmm. that that was the showing that they made for something that was so important to the community. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of people had that same reaction as I had. Right. So a couple of days later, June 1st, they came back and they kind of went a little bit deeper this time. And I'm reading directly from their official Instagram site. Okay. And it says, and I quote, we're listening and we hear you. We haven't said enough and we'll raise our voice. We stand against any of any act of discrimination and injustice in our society. At Tiffany and Company, we want to use the privilege of our platform to make a difference. The events that are happening are a painful reminder that we have so much further to go. We stand with the black community and we fight against racism. Hashtag Black Lives Matter. Mm. Now, that, I feel, is a strong statement. And I wish this this was the statement that the company led with (laughs) on May 30th and not as an afterthought on June 1st. Right. I really feel that they lost a lot of the impact that they could have received from this Mm -hmm. because it was after the initial statement and the backlash that they were receiving across social media. Because people don't know necessarily if they mean the words that they said the second go around or they did it because of the response. Exactly. Right. And from a PR perspective, like, how do you feel that that looks, you know, from like someone working in public relations? Like, how do you feel a brand should attack that? It should have been like the first go around and not the second. Right. I, I mean, it's, it's kind of in a sense, in a way, I feel like it's kind of that they really didn't know their audience well. Yeah. But then also, it's kind of a double-edged sword because you don't want to alienate your client base. You are a brand. You have a reputation and an image to uphold. And some brands are afraid or they aren't able to take a risk like a Nike would Mm -hmm. when they they had their partnership established with Colin Kaepernick. That was something that could have really adversely affected the company. And you have to have the right people, I feel, at the helm of the ship to make those types of decisions to whereas you're looking more at a bigger picture and a more of a sense of community than you are 
um, profits and losses. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Because, you know, showing that vulnerability from a company standpoint um, shows like the, you, you humanize the brand, I, I, in my opinion. I think you humanize showing that, listen, I understand the chance that we're taking um, right. and, and what could be like a cause and effect of our bottom line, but this isn't right. Um, and, and this shows you this like human side of the brand and how like people are the most important feature of what the brand is like. We know like this is, you know, as much as we care about selling products, we're, we also love the people who also buy the products and not just, we don't look at you as just consumers. We, we humanize, we're, you know, it humanizes them and shows that they have a relationship with the people who shop there. Right. Exactly. Absolutely. So what other fashion brands do you think did a okay job or could have done better? Um, Gucci did an okay job. Okay. And I'm sure everyone is aware that they've had a few missteps. <laughs> a couple. <laughs> So I feel that considering that personally, in my opinion, they may still be on a little bit of shaky ground trying to regain the trust and the support of the community. Right. They did a good job at making a statement and showing their solidarity with the BLM movement. Mm -hmm. um, for those of you who may not be aware, Right. Um, Gucci had a incident last year or um, a piece from their runway collection was a sweater that resembled blackface. Right. It and was like a black pullover sweater with, um, once it got to the part where it landed under the nose, it had these like huge red lips that surrounded the person's actual lips. Right. Mm-hmm. So a lot, needless to say, severe backlash for that. And it actually may have been a positive thing for the company because they started to forge relationships with key people from um, the community, such as Dapper Dan, mm -hmm. and started to really work on diversity and inclusion as a brand and the people who they have that represent the brand. So I feel that even though it was a huge error in judgment on their part, mm. it, did lead to, it did lead to something good because they realized it swiftly. They pulled the product immediately from the market, from their websites, and then they started working on forging relationships to ensure that things like this wouldn't happen again in the future. Right. And what's crazy about it was that blackface sweater was in February. It was like Black History Month. Is that whole time? I mean, it's wrong general, but it was exactly. like, hey, slap in the face to black people. It was even worse. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Like and like you mentioned Dapper Dan, like the connection with Dapper Dan, you know, I don't know if every audience knows, but they should. You know, he's such an iconic, um, you know, designer, specifically for hip hop in general. And what, you know, the founder of Logomania. Um, you know, his relationship, we both know, we, we've met him. Um, we both know that had to do with Gucci, Alessandro's designer, um, copying a look that he created uh, years ago with an LV jacket. And then he recreated it and he, you know, they put this, the Gucci logos on it instead. And it was huge backlash for that because um, they didn't credit him for it. Right, of course. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
And now he's like forged, they forged a relationship because everybody was like highly upset. Like the one thing I'm beginning to realize, John, is like there's a lot of missteps when it comes to actual like research from the brand. You know, yeah. like, you know, I can, you know, I know Alessandro has sometimes does this very like tongue in cheek type of designs um, that are very kitschy. Um, and I think what happens is, is like, you know, let's take this look from Dapper Dan. We're not even going to say this is where I got it from. But, you know, I feel like it would have been such a different story if he had walked that model down the, the runway and had included the story about Dapper Dan in it. It wouldn't have been the response that it was. Why do you think they misstep like this? Why do you think that, you know, even though they consciously know that sometimes these designs or looks are adapted from Black designers, that they don't give the credit they, they should. From a PR perspective, like what, you know, what what would have been, it should have been better the other way, right? Right. I mean, it, I feel it's a myriad of reasons. I feel that it's, it could be that the brand is trying to think outside the box or be provocative or edgy. Mm -hmm. And they take that desire a little bit too far and it goes from being edgy and different to being offensive. Yeah. Um, it's a very fine line. I also feel another thing and I have to give credit to this point of view that I've adapted to over the past couple of years to um, my PR advisor from grad school, mm -hmm. um, Professor Angela Chikara. She was and still is, I mean, a huge, huge person dealing with diversity and inclusion. She's done numerous studies on it. Um, she's actually done a study where she interviewed top CEOs from for businesses across the country mm -hmm. to get their take on it and what needs to happen to make the business world more diverse and inclusive. And I feel that it, a lot of the times these missteps happen because when you look to companies and you look at the people who are filling key positions within their C-suites, you don't have a representation that is even remotely similar to the makeup of the world as a whole. Right. You'll have companies to where you'll have no people of color in their C-suite. So how can you really effectively be a company that is aware of things that could promote diversity and inclusion when you aren't having a diversified senior management. Right, right. And also too, I mean, I mean, everybody knows, right. you know, Google is your best friend. <laughs> if you, and, and, and if someone took the time to actually Google the history behind some of these like blackface caricatures, um, you would know this is wrong. And does it come from a point of ignorance or does it come from a point I don't care? It's hard to really answer because you don't know where these fashion designers land on this. Right. Um, but there should be some sort of sensitivity. Also, when you do fashion lines, a lot like actors, they do like a whole lot of research. You know, research starts from Pantone colors to fashion forecasting to create a fashion line. It's a lot of research. It's just amazing to me personally that they skip over the part of things that are offensive. Kind of like Dolce Gabbana. I, I, and I don't know if you remember the ad that Dolce had with um, the Asian model um, or actress. I'm not actually sure which one she was. Um, and she was eating Italian food with chopsticks. Like, what was the That didn't make any sense. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's beyond. And they have had a lot of missteps, Dolce Gabbana themselves. Yes. Um, 
you know, it's just bizarre. Like, why would that even be something that you would thought was actually like a great ad campaign, which caused a huge set of problems, even for the, the girl who was in the, the ad, you know, for Dolce Bada themselves, like what was the response from them for um, Black Lives Matter movement after the murder of George Floyd? I was, I was actually impressed mm -hmm. by Dolce's response it's, and because of the reason of them having so many missteps yeah. <laughs> years about various issues. Um, they posted a statement which reads, and I'm looking at it directly now from their official Instagram, mm -hmm. Dolce and Cabana is committed to being part of the solution for change. We are donating to the NAACP who remains at the forefront of eliminating race-based discrimination. And as someone who has been a member of the NAACP since middle school. <laughs> wow, that's great. And it, and it was, I mean, and of course this was at a time where you're not thinking about social injustice you're in middle school. But I had the fortune of attending a church growing up back home in Memphis to where, whereas it is predominantly black. Mm -hmm. like most churches are in the South of the U.S. Um, there's a saying that we have in the South that 11 a.m. on Sunday is the most segregated hour. <laughs> and, I've never heard that. Yes, and what that means is that majority of your churches in the South are segregated. Mm-hmm. And it's not necessarily because you aren't welcome, like one race isn't welcome or whatever the case is. It's just been because, in my opinion, it is going back in time where there were times of segregation and in the Afri African American community in specifically, religion is a huge linchpin of that community. Right. And so even to this day, it's, like the cycle never really broke to whereas races intermix in churches. Right. And to be completely honest with you, I never experienced that myself personally until I went to college and I went to a church that had a few people of other ethnicities than myself. Right. But for the most part, the church I grew up in back home is all African-American. Yeah, a lot like me. I mean, Baptist, I mean, well, that also comes from a place, in my opinion, I think it also comes from a place that church was a place that Black people could go to talk to the pastor about um, issues. Like, you know, the church itself was like such a center place when it came, even for the civil rights, you know, with uh, Martin Luther King and um, just holding on to faith during like the Jim Crow era. So right. I can, I can honestly, it's so funny. I, my parents were from the South and I had never heard that statement. I need to ask them about that. Um, <laughs> that is actually interesting, <laughs> but, um, I think that's probably where the segregation comes from. You know what I mean? Like it's, it was like a refuge, you know, and I know my parents coming from the South and coming to New York, um, for them finding a place you know, where they would connect with their Southern roots was very important for them. So when they moved here, respectively, um, at different ages, my mother came to New York when she was three, um, my dad came here at 16, they both lived in um, neighborhoods that were predominantly white. And in order to hold on to, I think, part of their Southern culture, you know, they made sure that they went to churches all the way in Bed-Stuy, 
which was a black community in the time, which was like the 50s, 60s, um, that, you know, had that sense of that Southern comfort. You know what I mean? You had that sense of community. It was their people. So that's probably where that comes from, honestly. That's probably, and I never heard, that's so funny, John, I need to ask you that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was something that we would hear back home. That is so interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, for me though, I did go to Catholic school for eight years. So I did experience going to school. I think we had like mass every first week of the month. We left like a half hour, not half hour, I'm sorry, half a day. And we would go to like church, the church that's attached to the school. And mm -hmm. I, there was way more Caucasian people at church than I've ever seen in my life. And the practices were, you know, Christian based, of course, Catholic and Baptist, but different ways of, you know, doing church. So it was very odd for me, <laughs> but yeah, different. I did, I just, I did see that though. No, I mean, very different. Very and different. Growing up in the South where Baptist religion is a huge, <laughs> mm -hmm. huge presence. When I moved to the North, it was refreshing to get to have that experience with other religions and see how they work and what their beliefs were and just get to have that experience that I really didn't get a chance to be exposed to during my formative years growing up in Tennessee. Right. And even that, just that alone, where you just said, like having the experience of having that duality, um, even with me going to uh, a Baptist church on Sunday, going to Catholic school from Monday through Friday and where my mom grew up, uh, also where my dad lived uh, was both Jewish neighborhoods um, for the most part. Um, so like I was exposed to like three different types of religions at the same time. Wow. Um, but you know, it, it's the same way that these fashion houses need to have people with different perspectives. Like you can't have one perspective. So like by us being able to go to a Baptist church and then like for me going to Catholic school and then also visiting Jewish neighborhoods gave me a perspective or an insight into like, like the differences between all of them. And then you form a, a respect you know, it may not be your personal beliefs, but you understand and, and respect that person's faith, you know, and, and the same to be said about this, the fashion brands, like the reason that they have such issues with respecting um, their black consumers and black people in general is because like you said, they don't have black representation in a C-suite. So no. how can you respect when you don't know, nor do you care to learn? Right. Um, you but, know? And what makes it even worse is that you don't have the representation so you probably don't know or care to learn, mm -hmm. but you're promoting your product to that community. Yeah, that's absolutely true. That is absolutely it's, it's, true. It's really a slap in the face because you want me to spend my hard-earned money on your product, but you in turn can't take the time to get to know about my community. Mm -hmm. as the point of me giving you my hard-earned dollars. <laughs> No, you're absolutely correct. I mean, that, that also, that reminds me of like Drake, the rapper Drake, you know, he came out in 2013 with a song called Versace, you know, and Versace's response to the Black Lives Matter movement, the very first response wasn't so great. What did you think? I agree. And I, I mean, love Versace. They're always, I mean, the key pieces in fashion, I feel. Mm-hmm back to them yeah um, when i hear versace i think of two pieces in particular mm -hmm. like top of mind instantly and of course that is 
the Grammy dress that J-Lo wore. Absolutely. Which everyone, which she then wore a newer version of it at their, I think it was their spring summer show last year. Mm -hmm. And then also the black safety pin dress that Elizabeth Hurley wore. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, Versace is some, is a brand that was probably one of the first major fashion brands that I can remember from mm -hmm. I mean, for me also too, those two dresses, which absolutely I agree with you, but let's not also forget all the Versace shirts that Biggie and Puffy wore in almost yes. every video in the late 90s, early 2000s. Exactly. All the silk shirts and all the Versace lion head uh, sunglasses. Right. Big, you big. <laughs> not turn on MTV and see a video from either one of them or anyone that's associated with them and mm -hmm. Versace in it. Absolutely. So what was a Versace's response? What, what did they say actually for, you know, the movement and what was happening in the social injustice that erupted after George Floyd was murdered? So they had a post on May 31st. Mm -hmm. And I kind of equated to the initial post that Tiffany made. Just right. blanket, not powerful, didn't move me to action. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> say no to racism. And then underneath, and that was like the bold part of it. And then right. underneath you have uh, equality, diversity, inclusivity, together we win. Mm -hmm. That's... Statement in general, mm -hmm. of course it goes with the movement, yes. But like I said, it's not moving me to want to say this is a huge issue. Right. It's not moving me saying that this is an issue that Versace is really putting effort behind. Mm -hmm. it, was a little, it was weak. I mean, it, it, no, absolutely. I agree with you. I mean, I don't know if they thought, like you said, the bold <laughs> Times Roman font uh, and then the re racism in red was enough to, you know, capture the moment, but it wasn't. Right. And so again, kind of like along the path that Tiffany took, they came back a few days later and then did a more in-depth, deeper statement. Mm -hmm. I feel that if they led with this statement first instead of second, it would have been much more impactful. It would have really solidified their stance and their response within the movement and the community. Right. Um, but I do have to give them props for much like with um, Dolce & Gabbana, they're partnering and donating funds to the NAACP. Okay. So I will give them a pass mm -hmm. <laughs> for that because I really feel that as much support as organizations like the NAACP can receive, mm -hmm. It's just going to help push the movement and move the needle that much further. Right. They do so much good work for the community. They are really, I mean, they're the number one advocate for mm -hmm. people of color, in my opinion. Right. So anyone who wants to help them gets a nod from me. Agree. So John, like, what do you, what do you think though, like moving forward, what can these brands do? to amend their practices, like across the board. Like I know you mentioned uh, diversified their C-suite. What, you know, and also the, you know, contributing to the, NL, the NAACP and the urban, the National Urban League. I know that's another uh, um, group that they are, uh, a lot of fashion houses are uh, donating to. Um, right. What do you think that they can do? Like these statements 
to me personally, as a consumer of luxury goods, aren't enough. You know, and I want to know, like, I want to know the follow-up. Like, what, what did you do outside that donation? Did you just dump a lot of money in the brand and did nothing? Like, what are you actually doing? What, in your opinion, from a PR perspective, what can these brands do to change this direction? Should they follow up in a couple of weeks? I know Vans has followed up a couple of times on their Instagram page. You know, right. with, you know, with the current events that are going on at Kenosha, um, they have responded a couple of times. And a lot of other fashion brands have not. So what, what, in your opinion, that can these brands do to change the direction of how they treat their Black consumers and, and, and how they approach um, the Black community? I mean, Van said it best. It's a movement, not a moment. Right. And yes, it's great for you to, like, issue a release or a tweet or a post. And like you said, throw some money at the Urban League or the NAACP. But it's... Sadly, we didn't get to this position overnight. Mm-hmm. So out of this position overnight. It's going right. to be time and effort and a lot of voices coming together mm-hmm. to push this to make positive change. Right. And I feel these companies should also, like much like follow suit with Vans, and be in this for the long haul and know that, yes, I'm not expecting you to completely change your way of business. I mean, I work for a global company. I know that the bottom line is sales, but find a way to remain active with that, with the community, with mm-hmm. the color. Find a way to reach out to them. Mm-hmm. Be more than just, I want your money for, my, for you to have my product. I also want to show you that I'm standing in solidarity with you. Right. And how, in how ways did you think that they could do that? Like, I'm so, somehow I'm feeling, and, and this is my opinion, somehow I'm feeling too, like I think maybe these fashion brands can also create, I think Gucci is doing something along these lines, you know, a scholarship program in connection or in conjunction with Parsons or Pratt um, or FIT, you know, to send um, young black students who are interested in fashion to school, you know, under that scholarship, you know, to create the next black fashion designer. Um, that's ways to support the community. And right. as a follow-up, um, I think, you know, that's a great way to start. If it is also, um, like you said, diversifying their staff, not all the minority people can be on lower level positions. You know, right. they need to be beyond supervisors. You know, that's also part of that. What do you think? I mean, it's so many things that they can do. It's, I mean, and it starts from the top. You have to diversify your C-suite. And then it goes from, like you were saying, doing things with the community to help that community. Education, I feel, is a huge linchpin of growth. Mm-hmm. Anything that you can do, whether it's a mentorship or a scholarship, something to get the people in the community involved. And it's a way for you to show that you care about this community. Mm-hmm. The Black community has a lot of spending potential behind it. Yeah. And our buying power is, it's tremendous. And I think sometimes that we even forget that. Yeah, absolutely. Myself, guilty as charged. Mm -hmm. And when we're able to band together on a cause, we're almost unstoppable. Absolutely. And of course, 
like every cause for good, there are going to be some bad apples that try to taint that movement. Mm -hmm. But I feel that the people who are the actual leaders who are fighting for change and the people who are supporting them outweigh those negative people. Yeah. And it's going to take these brands looking larger and thinking larger. Um, globally, this country, this world that we live in is a giant melting pot. And you can't just target one community. Mm -hmm. i to have to try to figure out a way to target as many communities and different people as you can. Absolutely. And, you know, because these fashion brands, as we both spoke about, tap into, quote unquote, like black cool and and they need black dollars. You know what they what they also have to recognize is they need to respect our buying power. They need to respect, you know, how much we drive the, the business, you know, like like I mentioned before, um, Biggie and, and, and Puffy, um, P. Diddy you know, wore Versace shirts and Versace glasses. Drake made a whole song named Versace in 2013. You know, we drive what people buy. You yes. know what I mean? So it's, it needs, we as a black culture needs also to demand the respect from these fashion brands and demand that they make also make the changes. And so it's going to be interesting to see how far they go as a follow-up. I'm absolutely proud of Vans. I mean, I've never seen not to say I've never seen, but like the follow-up, you know, is just, it's beautiful to actually go through the Instagram page and even what's currently going on since George Floyd murder, um, you know, they have, they are still on it and they're still posting Black Lives Matter. And, right. and this is like, as of this week, you know what I mean? So this is, you know, it's an ongoing issue and it's really good to see brands like that. Although I don't own a, a pair of Vans and I know we both discussed this, like we both feel like we just need to buy a pair. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just to support the fact that there's so much support from their end for our culture. You know, right. and that's something that, you know, we need to demand of other brands and, and that's across the board. And I mean, and honestly, when you, I mean, like we touched on how like Gucci and Versace have really like, tap into our community mm -hmm. inspiration for our community Vans, mm -hmm. to me has always been like i think of vans and i connect it with like your hipsters or skaters. like skaters and skaters mm -hmm. not people of color right. <laughs> and to see a brand that has always been targeted towards that group and that customer to stand up for this movement with the people of color and with our community and say, this isn't right and we've had enough and this is what we're gonna do to help you all get the respect that you need to be treated equally, to stop this social injustice. That is just says so much to me compared mm -hmm. to brands who target our community and receive inspiration from our community but do very little to give back to that community absolutely i mean not only are they you know as you say like they're helping us they're helping themselves because i think every brand would benefit from having as you mentioned earlier black people or people of color in their c-suite you know they're missing out on the type of uh they're missing out on the type of um creativity that we would bring on a higher level just outside of music and 
you know, sports. So there, there's a level of creativity that, you know, once the type of streetwear culture that has been born out of hip hop um, and such, can you imagine having them on the board level? And, and I think they're missing out on that. You know, there's a level of black creativity that could probably change maybe the course of the way their ads go or their marketing or their PR department. So right. I think it would behoove all these fashion brands to really integrate those, those top level uh, jobs and careers that you have mentioned. I totally agree with you on that. No, they have to. They absolutely have to. It is a must. So it's very interesting. We're going to see where this goes. Um, I know we will follow up, John, with, with this. Maybe we'll do another PR perspective regarding fashion's response and see what they actually do. And I know maybe the next go around, we will speak on Vogue and CFDA's creating of the Black Fashion Council. And, you know, I know partnering, them partnering with a lot of fashion brands. Let's see what the outcome of that is. You know, because, yeah. you know, I'm not a big one on talk and no action. So let's see exactly where these fashion brands go after this. The time for, it's now put up or shut up. Absolutely. It's going to take a whole lot more than you throwing a little bit of money at the problem or you issuing a statement once and then moving on <laughs> with Absolutely. business as usual. This is going to be a time where the Black community and people of color are going to need people behind us to support us. Absolutely. Because sorry means nothing without change behavior. Exactly. And I hate to say it, but it's also going to take voices from people who do not look like us mm -hmm. to get the reach that we need to enact change. Absolutely. And I think millennials and Gen Y um, really are out there in the streets and they're also protesting, you know, to this day, they're still protesting going on across the United States um, in regards to this response that just totally blew up after George Floyd was murdered. Um, and it's and it's good to see the the mix of people who are supporting this movement. So just you know, seeing we'll see where this goes, and we'll definitely follow up. I I'm interested in doing our next segment. Like I said, we'll talk about the Black Fashion Council and what that really means, and yeah. how they partner with Vogue and CFDA. Let's see where that goes. So we'll we'll follow up on this. And I just want to say thank you so much, John. Where can people find you and hire you for your services? So um, you can visit my website. I, all of my contact information is there. Mm -hmm. Is jhs-pr.com. Okay. All right. So I definitely think people should, you know, reach out to you, John. I mean, I think you are great at what you're doing. Um, you know, I think your opinion is something to be heard. And we need more representation from people of color in PR as well. You know, it's, it's, I'm glad to see you really stepping out in that field, honestly. Another episode of discussion. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe that'll be one we do. We'll do that too. <laughs> we'll save that for another episode. Absolutely. All right, John, thank you so much for coming on Fashion Decipher. I truly appreciate it. Absolutely. Anytime. All right. Bye. Hi guys, it's Sean. Make sure you visit our website, fashiondecipher.com, to get a visual on what we're talking to you about. Check out pics from events, 
of guest speakers and exhibits. If you miss anything we post, you can visit our archives page. Also, while you're there, hit that subscribe button. Leave your email and if you like, a comment. Tell us what you think or what you would want to hear on an upcoming episode. Don't forget to follow and friend Fashion Decipher on social media. Check out what we're up to. Speak with you next week.